I would sit and rock and I would just cry and just cry and say, I don't know if I can do this tomorrow. Like I can sit here right now and this is the only time I feel like I can lose it, but I just don't know if I can do it all over again tomorrow. I can't believe I just got through the day. I'm Jen Dean and this is The Gardenia Project, episode three. Having a child is, I know, hands down, the best thing that's ever happened to me. I've often wondered myself, though, what if I was suddenly faced with the unexpected? I found myself in the nightmare of not only having a sick child, but one that then has a permanent sickness. I'm sure if you're a parent, you've wondered the same thing as well. How do you cope with that every day? This was a tough one for me. Maura has a kid that she has to medicate and stay on top of every single day. She's an amazingly strong person, and this is her story. This is Jen Dean, and I'm sitting with Maura, and we are going to talk about her story, which I'm really excited about because we haven't had anybody talk about this specifically, and I think for other people going through this, it's going to be extremely helpful to hear about someone who's actually going through it. Well, the story I'm going to I'm going to talk about today is this really the story of it's a story of me and my process with my daughter being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So my daughter, um, her name is Lila and she's she was 4 yesterday. But she was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes June 24, 2015, so almost 2 years ago. And um, she was two and a half at the time. Uh, just to give a, a little bit of background about type 1, because not everybody knows about type 1 or that there are there is actually many types of diabetes or several types of diabetes. But type 1 is when your body no longer produces insulin. Your pancreas stops producing insulin. And your body needs insulin to process glucose and sugar and give your cells energy, basically. That's the thumbnail sketch. So... It's a chronic, incurable illness at this point. And, um, so it's in forever? It's in, as in forever. There is no cure at this point. And um, although people are working on a cure and working on ways to manage the disease so people have better quality of life, it is incurable. So what that really means for her and for me at this point as her mother is that it's an everyday, 24-hour-a-day illness to manage and um, revolves um, around food and exercise and mood and hormones and anything that stress would, any kind of stressor that your body responds to can affect the way insulin is absorbed, the way blood sugar goes. And so um, it's kind of a big math problem all the time to deal with. What happens if she doesn't keep it regulated. So if or she what did, could happen? What could happen? Yeah. So like, give me the, give me the what happens and also potentially what's the worst case scenario here? Like how bad is it? So so it's um it can be serious if you don't regulate your blood sugar effectively. Um it can be acute and really serious if your blood sugar gets very very low or very very high. In either case you could die if it gets too low or too high. So the goal is really to try to keep it within a, a target range of what a normal blood sugar is, which is about 80 to 100. Her range is a little higher because she's a small child, yeah. um, but she could end up, if it's not regulated and managed well over time, she can end up with organ damage, um, eyesight problems, um, cardiovascular problems. It can affect a lot of systems in the body um, if it's not managed decently. And so it's something you have to keep your finger on all the time. So this is absolutely terrifying. As a 
as a parent myself of a nine-year-old, I mean, and I, and I have thought about it. I'm, I'm sure all parents do, but like I think all the time, oh my God, she's so healthy. And you just, you take it for granted, right? Because yes. you have a kid and they're healthy and you move on with your life. And for you, what happened, like when did you realize, like how did this happen all of a sudden? So type one can often happen all of a sudden. And so there's often, there is warning, but I didn't, it's not anywhere in my family. I've never, I don't, hadn't known anybody else with it. So I didn't really know what to look for. But what we noticed is probably about a month before she actually got diagnosed, we noticed she started being very thirsty. She started consuming really large amounts of fluid. She would drink anything in sight. And as a toddler, um, that was a change in her behavior. It was a change from how she normally is. And um, it seemed really excessive. And she was also mostly potty trained and at night and she started wetting through her her diaper at night and that was different and I'm my background is in the medical field so is my husband's and I'm just sort of tuned into that so I just started googling thinking this is something unusual and that's when I saw the symptoms of type 1 is one is excessive thirst excessive urination she had both of those and so um, I thought we should get her checked out at the doctor and um, they, we did, and basically it was a little bit of a dramatic story because we were on our way to a vacation in the car packed, and I got the phone call. We were in the car to turn around um, from the doctor. She called and said she has a lot of sugar in her urine. We brought it to the doctor. She did a test that day. Then we were taking off, and she called me about two hours later and said, you need to turn around and take her to the emergency room. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so we, so that's how it happened. It's very sudden. It's often the way it's diagnosed. You um, get a test. You are put in the hospital to basically, if it's a child, teach the parents in two days or less how to administer insulin, give injections, count carbohydrates, and deal with this illness. Yeah. I can't even... Yeah, I totally can't even imagine yeah. this. So have you have you dealt with this emotionally? Do you feel like, okay, I've got a handle on this. Are you still in the middle of it? Like, where are you at with this? Because it's been a couple of years now. It's been a couple of, yeah, it will have been two years. Uh, it's been about, yeah, a year and a half. So I feel like I'm really in the middle, honestly. I feel like recently I, I came to a revelation that although I've dealt with some of the practical stuff, um, I've learned how to take care of it for the most part and manage her um, her illness to keep her safe um, and to teach others to do the same when I need to. I feel like emotionally I'm still very much in the middle because I think what I've done honestly up to this point is that I think I ran from it emotionally. I got really busy with a business. I started a new business project right after, kind of just before she got diagnosed and after that I just sort of dove headlong into that, and I think I really used that as a as a coping mechanism, as a way to focus my energy and honestly my my grief and sort of not deal with it, and to try to immediately make something positive out, out of it. And it's more in recent months I've realized that I'm I think it's something I need to slow down about, and it's one of the things that um, I thought telling this story here with this project would be helpful for me um, is to talk about it and have someone listen. It's interesting because I think that that sounds totally natural. Also, I know part of the story that I'm going to ask you about next, um, and you can describe what happened, 
but being thrown into something where everything's completely changed and you have to be really rigid and you have to stay on your toes, I feel like you almost go into this really, um, that fight or flight high crisis mode and you stay there probably for a while, right? So your focus can't be mm -hmm. on emotions. You can't fall apart because you have to stay on top of, I think one of the things you said here is like, you have to think about every single thing she puts in her mouth, right? Yes. Yes. So it's like 24 seven. Yes. So you kind of, it sounds almost natural that like, mm -hmm. when is it in there that you get to have this breakdown and feel emotional? It's like ready to go. And if you had just started a business as well, also there's another piece of this that you um, mentioned to me before, and that is that your son isn't 100% healthy either, correct? Correct. My son is eight, will be eight shortly, and he has autism spectrum disorder, otherwise known as Asperger's. He's really high functioning and his needs and issues are really different, but it's also a, something about um, a child that you have to you have to pay attention to fairly frequently. It's not um, it's not like sort of an episodic thing. It tends to be something you have to have a plan around and you have to bring a team people in to help you manage um, different aspects of his behavior and health. And so that was already present and we knew about that when she got diagnosed. So it was adding another layer of complexity to motherhood and caregiving. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the thing that struck me is not only do you have this child whose very life is in danger, but you already had a kid who had some special needs that you needed to stay on top of and, and address. And so now you have two children yes. with all kinds of things to keep track of. And one of the things that we talked about too is that, you know, this isn't how you, when you picture motherhood, mm. it's not like, oh, I know what's gonna happen. You know, you just go, I'm gonna have kids and it's gonna be great. And you have this vision for your life. And then all of a sudden you're not on that road. No, and what's interesting about that is that I I never imagined that I would have I would have the the beautiful two beautiful children that I have with all of this going on, but an interesting point about fear that I want to make for others is that before I had kids, you know, I had exposure to the world of of children with disabilities through my family, through a family member and and watching their process and thinking to myself this is my worst nightmare, is to have a child with a disability. As, as all of the emotions tied up into oh that, as, as awful as that is to, to say out loud, it was a fear that I had. I thought, well... Oh, sure. You I can, mean, I've done the same you know? thing, to be fair. Like, I think <laughs> as anybody who's potentially going to have a child, you look at that and you go, oh, God, I feel for them. I really... Yeah. I, I hope I don't have to go through that, right? Like, yeah. you're afraid of it. When, I know when I was pregnant with Charlie, I was like, okay you know, brace yourself, brace yourself. And then you'd go in for the appointment mm -hmm. and they're like, okay, they have all five fingers. And you're like, yes, yes. <laughs> right? Like, they, you know, there's all these yeah. markers and, and that's what we're all afraid of, yeah. of course. And you think, I think when you're going to have, when you're having a baby or, you know, having a young child come into your life and they show up and everything's great, you're like, okay, check. Oh, things sure. are fine. Right, right. Because she was two and a half when this she happened, She was right? two and a half. And my son wasn't diagnosed until he was five. And they oh. were both, you know, I had decent, good pregnancies. I had healthy pregnancies. I, his delivery was a C-section and there was not really a complication with it. That's how it ended up. So I uh -huh. thought, check. Right. My kids are healthy right. and we're good to go. Let's soldier on. And you don't think about like, oh, at any point on, down the line. There's still things that could be. There's still things that can come up. And so, yeah. It's a huge, it was a huge shock. Was there a moment that you look back on now and you realize that something changed who you are at your core? 
Yeah, I was in the sort of crisis period of her diagnosis. We we went to the emergency room, got admitted to Maine Medical Center, and in that process, like I said earlier, the purpose of that, as I found out, is really one to to stabilize her blood sugar, but then to teach the parents how to take care of her, and so you can safely go home. And part of that is teaching a person about how insulin works in the body, how to count carbohydrates, and so I was sitting with a dietitian getting a little bit of a, a lesson, a lot of a lesson about that, and I literally hadn't, I was up all night, hadn't slept in over a day, and she's sitting in front of me with this folder showing me how insulin peaks in the, in the bloodstream and stuff, and I was, started to cry because I was so overwhelmed. Um, it was all foreign knowledge to me, and she kind of kept, just kept going, kept trying to teach me, saying, we've got to get through this, and I lo- looked at her, and I was like, I, no, you have to go. I can't absorb any more information. I'm totally overwhelmed. Please get out. <laughs> and for me, that is not my personality. I, I hadn't set a boundary like that in my life with another adult so directly. I guess I never had to. Right. And I did. And so I felt like at that moment, I was like, okay, I can do this. I mean, as hard as it is, I can be an advocate for myself. I can set the boundaries I need. Like it is within me because I was in that moment feeling like I just want to melt into the floor. I just want to go, you know, take a nap. And I found that sort of inner strength that I think has shifted me from that point forward. And I'm much, it's much easier for me to do things like that now than it was prior to that. What's interesting about that and what's super important about that, as we all know, but it's so much easier to see it in someone else's life than in our own, is the idea that you did have to set that boundary to take care of yourself in order to take care of your daughter, right? Like one can only happen, you know, you can't take care of her without taking care of yourself. And I think that very often for women and especially parents, depending on, you know, what your, what your life role is, but very often I hear from the women that I work with that that's, that's been hard for them for one reason or another, Mm -hmm. or they end up putting their kids first at the cost of all these things for themselves. And it comes back to bite them. So I think for you, you ended up finding it out in this really concrete situation with another person, but it was huge, right? It was huge. It was huge. Cause I, yeah, it was really part of me finding my voice as I look back on it. Yeah. Of really literally being able to open my mouth and say, this is what I need right now, regardless of your agenda. Right. <laughs> and, and you know, it's also a safety issue. I mean, if you couldn't take in any more information and you had just gone ahead and let her say things while you were falling apart and not retaining it, you know, that's Layla's life on the line. Yes. So it was super important for you to be able to say, I can't do this right now. You need to give me a break and we can come back to it. Yes. So good for yeah. you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Like, kudos to you. Okay, so was there a moment when you you absolutely were like, I just don't think I can take this anymore? Yeah, gosh, there were many moments. Um, they still happen, actually, but the most acute moments were really within the first couple of months after she we came home in that summer. I felt like sometimes I was still nursing her at the time, and I would put her to bed. I would nurse her to bed and rock her to bed and it was like the one time of the day that I was able to sit down really in those first weeks after being home it almost felt like having a new baby all over again right you know because I wasn't sleeping I was up all through the night every two hours checking a blood sugar and I would sit and rock and I would just cry and just cry and say I don't know if I can do this tomorrow 
Like I could sit here right now and this is the only time I feel like I can lose it, but I just don't know if I can do it all over again tomorrow. I can't believe I just got through the day. And it's better now. Like I know intellectually and practically because I've had all this time now, a year and a half of doing finger sticks and running an insulin pump and counting carbohydrates and dealing with everything that goes with it, that like I can do it on a practical level, but it's more now sort of like, I feel like the part of my emotional process I'm in is still having wrestling with some resentment about like, sure. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I don't want her to have to do it. Yeah. And I don't want to do it anymore. And it's like this moment to moment, some days, recommitment of, I I just want to put dinner on the table. I don't want to stop and check a blood sugar. Let me just feed you. No, we have to do it. That's part of the care. And it's, I know that all rationally and I I always do do it and I always will, but that's the internal emotional process is like, I don't want it. I just don't want it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things you talked about in this process um, beforehand was that Talk about the um, wanting to control everything, mm-hmm. but knowing that you can't, right? You're talking about this resentment that you have, and you just want it to, to just be able to sit down and have dinner without worrying about yeah. this, right? And and you, one of the things you talked about was that you had to surrender to this. Like, you don't even have a choice. No. I had, no, I have to, I had to surrender. I feel like there's, like, these different layers of surrender, um, I think, for me. I feel like the... I still have work to do on the emotional piece. I think when I can get to a day where I put out dinner on the table or I'm prepping a meal and I'm not feeling that sense of, um, oh, there's just one more thing I've got to do. You know, I've got to check the blood sugar and then I've got to see what she eats and then, you know, thinking about what's her blood sugar going to do. Those are things that, that still go through my mind. I think when I can get to a place where I can get to the end of the meal and be like, gee, I, I mean, I had to think about diabetes, but I didn't really like go down this emotional rabbit hole uh, about it, you know? So that's the place that you're still in right now yeah. when you realize that it's affecting you emotionally now when it happens. Yeah. And in some ways that's probably healthy, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to let that process be, be part of your life. Yeah. I feel like it's, you know, it's just taken some time to kind yeah. of bubble to the surface. Yeah. I mean, you spoke of it earlier, Jen, of this, when you have a crisis, you, you do go into fight or flight yeah. and you're really just in survival mode and you're, you're doing these physical tasks because you yeah. know you have to do them and you're just getting through and you're, you're really not feel you're feeling kind of numb. Sure in a lot of ways. I mean, there would be sort of the waterfall of tears at bedtime as I'm rocking, but other than that, I'm just sort of... And then you, you but you zip it up or you buckle it and you shut that right. shut that lid on that and you get yeah. right back to it. And I wasn't really feeling in the beginning angry. I was feeling terrified. It was right. more just pure fear. Right. And there's different emotions <laughs> that go with this, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, the grief process, I think, yeah. uh, the, what is it, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief yeah. but you know which I feel like are not linear I feel like you can no. move in and out of them <laughs> oh no, I know this is for a fact <laughs> yeah so you know it's yeah. more in that sort of I think deeper sadness and resentment that I I struggle with sometimes not necessarily on a daily basis but more frequently now and I because of my professional background I I'm a therapist I know that that's it's okay like it's just the way it's supposed to go when you look back was there yeah, there's two questions sort of rolled into one um was there something you needed that you didn't have or were the, was there some someone that could have made it easier? Like what, talk to me about that process when you look back. Cause I mean, it's always easier yeah. to see things when you're here yeah, <laughs> looking backwards, right? That was something I wrestled with a lot, like that question, because there's so many things on a, on a macro systems level that I feel like could have been helpful for a parent getting this diagnosis of 
type 1 diabetes or a chronic illness for their child. But in the moment, I remember something that was missing, and it was just sort of the way the universe laid out. We, My husband and I had set out to travel for vacation separately at the time of her diagnosis, and he was he was already on the island where we were going for vacation, and he was unable to get back. Anyway, he had your son then? He had my son, and he was, and the island's only accessible by car ferry. It was summertime, and by the time he got the news, he was there, and he had a hard time. He couldn't get off the island to, to come and be with me in the hospital, and I, that was, looking back, would have been um, really a good thing for him to have been there in the hospital um, so totally. he could see what I was seeing to experience it so that we could have supported each other. So and not only are you going through this crisis, but you're going through it alone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by the time your husband gets back, he's missed this chunk of, like, you losing your mind, having no sleep, dealing, being thrown all this stuff at you. So you're yes. on two different wavelengths then. Absolutely. And like, yeah, his experience of it was totally different and in a sort of different timeline from mine. And his, you know, his understanding of the care, he's a physician, by the way. And a lot of people, I felt, I feel badly for him still, because a lot of people will say, well, you're a physician, you get it. The The deal is, is he's not, he's not a physician that takes care of diabetes, number one. And number two, this is his daughter. He's a dad in this situation, yeah. not a physician. Yeah. And so I think there was an added layer of pressure for him to just know what he was supposed to do and the reality was is he didn't he didn't know what to do he didn't know how to give insulin or how much or at what frequency and so I think looking back it would have been nice to have been able to learn together initially rather than me have to go back and yeah and do the teaching for him but I think just to have that support um, you know, for anybody going through a, a, an illness diagnosis, one would hope is you have support. And I had the support of my mother and a few other family members in that crisis piece. But to have the person who is closest to you in a crisis is always ideal. Well, and the other thing that you say here, because um, we, I ask, you know, who did help you? One of the things you mentioned is he wasn't allowed time off from work to even come do this with you. No. So when, you know, once he got back, we got home, there was all these sort of other layers of teaching that had to happen in appointments. And it was a big deal at the time, you know, a big and a big disappointment is that he he received no support at work and was told no, that he couldn't have time off for for an appointment for her, for us to learn how to run her her insulin pump. And of course, I'm absolutely infuriated. Like this is the kind of stuff that I'm just like, (laughs) what? Oh, yeah. How does this happen? Oh, yeah. And uh, believe oh. me, I was I was too. I feel like I'm still yeah. trying to let go of that, yeah. um, even though it was like over a year ago oh my that God. they could even. In, uh, and he worked for a hospital at the time, and I thought, That's how insane. is this? How, how does this happen yeah. that healthcare providers could not understand that he? It was not important for him to be at work that day for a couple of hours. That he really needed to be with his family. Oh and, God, that breaks my heart. Um, so that was hard somebody thought that he was needed elsewhere above and beyond his family and that he felt um like that was where he didn't have a choice but to do that that was very difficult I feel like there's so many layers of your story that make it so hard like it was just like not only did you find out this stuff and you had to go deal with it but you were on your own and like he couldn't come with you and I mean, it's always going to be hard on two people when this happens but you have some layers in here that made it so much more difficult um so tell me, what what do you feel like you learned from this? Like, where are you at on the learning side of this? I mean, obviously, this has yeah. completely changed you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's changed my life forever. Um, my life as a as a mother, I think, is my role as a mother and as a caregiver. And 
you know, certainly I've learned um, a lot about a medical illness I never thought that I would ever need to know about and what it takes to care for somebody, a family member, a person you love in that capacity. I know one of the things that you talked about that I loved, so I'm going to remind you, um, because you had said this to me, is that even though your burdens are heavy, they don't have to define you. Yes. Yeah. It feels very heavy still, but but that it is um, an entity separate from me. It's a part of me, a part of my life and our family's life and certainly my daughter, but you know, she is not diabetes. I am not diabetes. Um, It is a piece of our life and it doesn't have to define someone and it doesn't have to drag you down. I think it's always a choice how one looks at, at burdens. Um, It's maybe something you have to carry and it may feel heavy, but it doesn't have to be what the world sees when they look at you or how you see yourself. And I think it's kind of I really like the metaphor of waves and the ocean is that really it's it's about sort of learning to kind of go with the waves and that to ride them versus sort of fight them or resist them or swim against them is just to sort of learn how to float on on top of them because they'll change they'll get bigger they'll get smaller they'll crash on the beach and so will you and you'll get your hair full of sand and choke on water and then you'll stand (laughs) up again and know that you can go out and ride again and that you have to in our case you know we have to but that it's much easier to ride than kind of resist yeah um, yeah what's been brought to you in your life before we get to the last question one of the things that occurred to me as we were talking is is there something that you on the positive side you know here this has got to be so hard for Lila at the same time I think that what's interesting a lot of times from what I've heard and what I've seen in my own life um, and with friends is that sometimes the kids fare better than we do almost because Mm -hmm. it's such a part of their lives that they just learn to roll with it in a way that we haven't, right? Mm -hmm. Because we had other dreams and hopes for them and this is how this turned out. What do you guys love to do together? What is, is there something that you look at her and you think, oh my God, this just totally not stopped you? After we initially learned how to take care of it, I mean, after that, like everything is on the table in terms of what she's able to do. I mean, we, we have to, you know, just be more mindful of certain things, but she loves um, being outside and running around. She's a really physical kid. Um, I mean, we took <coughs> her to an indoor trampoline park yesterday for her birthday and, oh God, that's you know, awesome. we, she took her pump off because she was going to be running around because yep. exercise affects insulin. And she just bombed around out there like, like other kids. She goes to daycare and a preschool just like other kids. And we've taught them how to deal with her stuff. And she, you know, eats a, basically a regular diet. There is, you know, um, not things that I tell her she absolutely cannot have. We just have to plan for it and think about it. So that's fantastic. You know, there's um, we've traveled with her. You know, we do just about anything. So that leads into that last question then. Like, what advice would you give to others who have some sort of similar story to yours? When you look back, you know, like you were saying, the things that you could have changed if you could would be yeah. these things. What advice would you give to somebody else? I think I would say to somebody else dealing with type 1 or any kind of chronic illness that you you know you may need to deal with for a very long time if not the entire the rest of your life or your child's life is to I mean it's this phrase gets kind of overused but it really is a marathon you really mm-hmm. you know you have to sort of plan ahead but you really day to day it's really okay to just say this is just what we're dealing with today and I don't know 
what tomorrow is going to bring. I don't know if it'll be harder or easier, but let's just try to get through today and enjoy today just as anyone else would. I was just going to say, I feel like half the time I'm telling that to myself and I'm not even going through what you are. Just as anyone else would. And that to really find the joy in life because, you know, you have this little, this added thing that you're dealing with, but to not sort of get ahead of yourself and to really just one step at a time and to not, you know, not resist it. I mean, that's been one of my biggest learning points is feeling like, it is something I've been dealing with recently is, is resistance. Sure. Um, and that may be just part of the process, yeah. but again, it's just easier to sort of go with the flow and not have, try to make everything perfect about the care right. or what you're doing with your child or that the blood sugar has to be perfect every day because right. it is a Sisyphean task. You will roll that boulder up the hill every day and it will roll down if you, and (laughs) run over you if you can't let go of that to some degree, that it's just going to be the way it's going to be and you have to kind of roll with it. Um, And that's the way to to get through. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. I feel like it's amazing. I can't imagine, like anybody who looks at someone else and goes, oh my God, I can't (laughs) imagine going what you're going through, right? Like this is it's amazing to me, and you're such a positive, happy person. And I know I'm, I'm absolutely sure you're not that way all the time. But, but good for you. Yeah. Good for you for being able to do this and for being brave enough to share this story with other people yeah. who are going through it too. Yeah, I Thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you. So much. And I can't wait to share it with others. And I think you did say one of the other things that um, was support, finding support. I was thinking about you mm-hmm. and people reaching out to you. We'll, we'll talk about that yeah. after for ways... For, for somebody else who's going through this to reach out to you. Absolutely. I've, you know, it's been one of the very, just in ending, one of the very positive aspects about having something like this come into your life is you have the chance to connect with people you never would have met. I mean, I talked to a guy in Home Depot. I, he had, was wearing an insulin pump. So we beetled right over and talked to him and got to know for a few minutes a, a man, um, you know, who's, who's working a job and lives with type 1 and that's not anything ever would have been on my radar and to have this almost almost like you're in this club yeah you know and she's like I'm like look she's got a purple pump and he's like mine's black and that's so cute (laughs) so you know there's it creates ways to connect and you just never would have imagined were possible so that's been a gift really if you enjoyed this you can check out the portraits that I did with Mora at the link below it'll take you over to my website jendeanphoto.com and you'll see the Gardenia Project. If you or someone you know might be interested in being part of the project and the podcast, there is a contact form on my page that they can fill out. And if you enjoyed this, I would love it if you shared it with your friends. Thanks so much. And you know, you'll hear me again soon.